Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. I believe that Pittsburgh and my native town of Scranton and my hometown of Wilmington and Claymont, they represent the cities and towns that made up, make up hardworking middle-class Americans who are the backbone of this nation. That's not hyperbole, the backbone of this nation. I also, uh, I also came here because, uh, quite frankly, folks, if I'm going to be able to beat Donald Trump in 2020, it's going to happen here. It's going to happen here. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, February 7th is just moments away. But before we get into hour number two, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and sponsoring this humble little program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8 are sponsors. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors of this program, as well as the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let's get hour number two on the way. It starts right now. It is Friday, February 7th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. This hour of the program, Vice President of the Chicago Teachers Union and our friend Stacy Davis Gates is back. And 20th Ward Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor makes her return. And now your host, Chicago Reader Columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Stacy Davis Gates is in the studio. So much to talk to her about. I didn't even run down with Stacy what I'm going to talk to her about. I think I'm going to ask her about the Democratic primary for president. What the, why the Democrats hate Bernie so much. Get her thoughts on Iowa. What else do I want to? Oh, see if she's feeling the Michael Bloomberg. Oh, see if fe- Stacy's feeling, feeling the Michael. Feeling the Berg? 
I know she's a huge fan of Mayor Peak and her thoughts on Mayor Peak. Okay. <laughs> they can't see my middle finger. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Mayo Pete. Yeah, Mayo Pete, I think. Uh, and maybe ask her about what's going on with the Lincoln Park High School Board of Education. Man, this, I don't know what they're what they're doing there. You get Stacey Davis Gates' thoughts on all these issues of the day. Before that, do before we do that, do you got an update? Absolutely, I do. First off, our good friend Ben Jarofsky show devotee Frank is with us in the studio. Let's get an up, let's get an update from Frank. Frank, what are you feeling about the show so far? I'm liking it. I always love the show. I've been I've been fan of Ben's. I've been going my first since the first Tuesday I ever went to, which had Will Gazzardi, Kristen Mitchell, and that she was she's a young lobbyist. Adrian Alexander. Wow, what a memory. Mm-hmm. He's a binhead, that, guys. That, it's yeah. Frank. That was 2014. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, yeah. well, Gazzari just won the primary. He won the primary, but hasn't was, wasn't was elected yet. Yes, that's very good memory. Yep. Right, and uh, we talked about the Oscars in the first hour. If you're uh, listening on the download, go check it out. Uh, Frank, who you got in the Oscars? Who's winning the big movie of the year? It's Well, it's a top, tr- top up between... Toss up between Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best director is either Quentin Tarantino or Bong John Ho, Bong Joon Ho, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Uh, best actor, I want DiCaprio. Or, well, they didn't nominate any of the cast of Parasite, but whatever. Best supporting actor, I want Brad Pitt or Tom Hanks. Or for best original screenplay, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best adaptive screenplay, I want Greta Gerwig for Little Women. So those are his picks. Weigh in on the live stream chat room and let uh, let Frank know what you think of his picks there. Say hey to Frank. We do have an update. Oh, and for those watching on the live stream, no, Ben is not wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> it's just a bull's hat. Yeah. Oh, Ben, you MAGA hat wearer, are you? <laughs> Please don't get that started. Uh, just a bull's hat. The following comes from the Associated Press. Former Illinois Congressman Joe Walsh ended his Republican primary challenge to President Donald Trump today, abandoning an effort that faced long odds and financial struggles from the start. Here's the quote from Walsh, quote, I'm suspending my campaign, but our fight against the cult of Trump is just getting started. I'm committed to doing everything I can to defeat Trump and his enablers this November. Yeah, it's very strange, the crew of Republicans who've emerged, very uh, a select group, to defy Donald Trump. Like, uh, I don't know why Joe Walsh gave up his radio show. He he was three hours local, and he was also apparently nasty syndicated, and he was making, he would have make making more money than he did for this Don Quixote bid for president. I, I, I can't figure it out either. Uh, and, and also, and, and they come from the same sort of base. Right, because Joe Walsh is about as right as you can be, and it's, he's, it's like he, he, you can go on his Twitter and, fi- and search his old Twitters for all the bigoted statements he's said in the past. And so, like he said one time on Martin Luther King Day, something very bigoted. You can just Google mm-hmm. Joe Walsh, Martin Luther King Day, what he, what he said. It was just very bigoted. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure why uh, Joe Walsh would have uh, announced he was running. I remember when he, he announced he was running, we talked about it on the show. I welcomed him to the race. Anybody, you know, any, uh, get any kind of dissension on the Republican side, 
but of course, the Republicans, it is the cult of Trump. They're uh, lockstep. Find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on both Facebook and Twitter. The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram. Ben runs the Instagram. How's that going, by the way? <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right. Yeah, cool, wow. cool. We're blowing up on Instagram, so go mm-hmm. check that out. And also be sure to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Go subscribe. Be surprised by f- and find out what they are. All right. Very good. Uh, Stacey Davis Gates, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. How are y'all doing? I'm doing okay. Hey, I uh, can't complain. And what good would it do me anyway, Stacey? Uh, all right, Stacey, there's a lot of national news to talk about. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of uh, Chicago news to talk about. But just your general thoughts about what's going on at Lincoln Park High. Uh, you, of course, are a, a former Chicago public school teacher. I am a uh, teacher on leave. On not leave. A former. S- I said corrected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're a union leader here for the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, I've been critical of the way the uh, CPS has handled this. I don't even know what has what is going down. We don't either. Okay, so go take it. From I mean, there. I mean that is the criticism I think from everyone across the board um, is that there seems to be someone who was victimized, right? And you obviously have to have a shield of protection and support for um, the individual that was victimized. That goes without. I, It should go without saying Mm -hmm. that's number one. Number two is that you have impact as a result of something that was um, allegedly done. And you also have um, a school community full of minors who have parents and or guardians, families that should have an understanding of how this what happened for as much as they can without jeopardizing um, the victim. And you have parents who are sending their children to the school community who want to understand if the school community is safe for their children, if proper safeguards are being put in place for their children, and if they have any way of knowing that that this process has a beginning, a middle, and an end, that will give the school community a, an opportunity to heal mm-hmm. um, and to move forward. It's hard to do that, though, when you've removed leadership that is connected to parents and then you replace it with leadership that is then replaced because of another incident. Um, it's difficult because we don't have a lot of information either um, in our camp right typically you would find out what's happening so the information that we're getting has a lot of gaps um is scant and that is typically what's happened post the um, sex abuse scandal with the chicago public schools is that their way of dealing with this is to provide um a very opaque statement to folks um, put people on leave indefinitely, and that's it. Excuse my ignorance, but I'm going to just ask the question anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you're uh, the Chicago Teachers Union. You're mm-hmm. the union of the teachers. Yes. Uh, and I would would have hoped in a perfect world. I realize we're in Chicago, far from perfection. That the uh, the the union 
of teachers no, would no. have some kind of uh, open no. line of communication with the leaders of the public schools of large to talk about matters like this and keep Look, you abreast. That's what I keep telling people. Like we're on record when the abuse scandal broke out. We said we wanted to be a conduit to doing this right. Our members are typically the folks who are reporting the the allegations to the the principals or to just the authority figures. It is typically one of our members doing that. Like those are facts. So that's number one. Number two, our members are counselors, our social workers, our psychologists, right? So these are people who would have training to be able to absorb trauma would be able to direct how you have the discussions with the larger school community would be the folks who could create framework and infrastructure for how the school community absorbs this processes this and is able to then pivot from it and use the experience to make the school community better those are trained professionals right We've gotten nothing in return from them to say, yes, that makes sense. You all are stakeholders. Let's work on it. Um, we just, it, it, this is what happens. You see that there's like scan information coming from the Board of Education. You have a local school council saying that they would have wanted more communication. Look, I think that you can have a situation where you protect and support the victim you have to have that and you also have to give folks who are stakeholders in that school community students and parents educators workers the opportunity to be able to understand what they're dealing with look you have students before you every day as an educator and they have they obviously have questions they obviously have trauma they obviously have anxiety they obviously have anger how do we help them process this becomes the question what tools um does the 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 school district offer us to help process it look you know this goes even beyond the lincoln park situation i have a member um, who just lost a student, her second student this year. She called me in tears um, because she's trying to figure out, like, look, we need more people here to help us because even our um, counselor is in tears because she knew the kid, a 15-year-old kid uh, murdered after school hours. And they're, no, I'm sorry, it was on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And they come back to school on a Monday and this is what they're dealing with. And they don't get any... Um, assistance from central office until the end of the school day and ended up like it, something ended up happening, but it wasn't immediate. It wasn't clear what was going to come next. Like there were not expectations built into the system where a teacher could even go to a manual and see like in 24 hours in 12 hours in six hours that this would happen. So they're not just processing their own grief, mm -hmm or whatever that triggers for them. They also have young people in front of them who are looking 
for an adult to help them process their grief as well. Um, and so these are the things that are complicated in the school communities in which CPS has got to get better about seeing us as partners in making this happen. I often feel like this relationship between CTU and CPS is like this dysfunctional marriage where children are growing up in this household and are being traumatized by the lack of uh, productive and responsible adult relationship between the two entities. Like if we can't get this right with something like this, like think about the adults in the building who have been victims themselves and how they're dealing with those triggers in this moment. You just have a cauldron of confusion and anxiety bubbling over in that school community. And that's not fair to anyone in that space. Uh, and to the uh, top of it all, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Uh, Nicholas Schuler, who's inspector general of the <laughs> CPS, uh, stepped down this week uh, in investigation in his own... <laughs> I, I didn't mean to laugh with Stacey Davis Gates in the live stream. You saw it. Oh, I keep forgetting you had that damn live stream up there. That's correct. Jeanette Taylor's <laughs> in the room. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but everybody did see that middle Jeanette. finger you were talking about earlier. <laughs> Oh my God! We back like in grade sign. school, Jeanette Taylor, and you know, like oh, Jeanette's here. I'm gonna stick out my tongue. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Jeanette Taylor, so we're gonna we'll take a break a little while. We're, we're gonna do a deep dive on a local news, but and probably do some national news because one thing about Jeanette Taylor, Stacey Davis Gates, you may not know this, she's an unabashed Bernie Sanders supporter. Did you know that? I did. Okay, she's not messing well, around. I mean, like I was a Sanders delegate in '16. I'm chair of the United Working Families Party who endorsed Bernie on Monday. Because oh. uh, 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 uh. <laughs> people have said, I think Dennis said that you were uh, ducking and dodging. On, I just made that okay. up. <laughs> well, no, our, it, and I have been because our union hasn't made a decision. Listen, you get Bernie came before the strike. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth came during the strike. And look, it's teachers. And Didn't Joey B give you guys a phone call too? Who? Jo Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. He Don't hate on Joe. I did, <laughs> That's I did. what we call him on the show. Castro, Castro's um, partner, who's an educator, mm -hmm. um, Harris and Biden. Like it was a universal level of support. And, you know, within our membership, both um, Sanders, Senator Sanders and Warren, you know, look, she's a special education teacher. She's a woman. We have <laughs> we have a union full of uh, educators who are women. Mm -hmm. So there's an obvious connection there. But then you have um, Bernie. And just like I said, like, look, his bona fides are, are what they are and have been um, for a very long time. And he didn't flinch when, you know, he came to Chicago and stood on the stage and said everything that he said. So, listen, our deliberation is ongoing, to be honest with you, within our union. I think the biggest... Um, <laughs> issue is what the other endorsement from Chicago could be. Bloomberg. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, look. What, <laughs> that Taylor, a huge fan of The Michael Chicago Bloomberg. Teachers Union. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> the Chicago Teachers Union endorsing Bernie Sanders is like water is wet. Right? Yeah. It, it, that's just what it is. Well, here, all right, let me give you my Bloomberg uh, raps mm -hmm. and get your reaction to it. And Jeanette, you think about this as well when you come on. Uh, 
I'm everybody knows this. Uh, I'm of the Bernie persuasion. Uh, Bernie, my top three have been for the last uh, f- few months: Bernie one, Elizabeth Warren two, Andrew Yang three. Uh, but if I, my attitude is, if I'm a centrist, I would be supporting Michael Bloomberg because Michael Bloomberg's got the money. Uh, to run. A, you, no, if you a, were a campaign. Republican, <laughs> okay. you would be supporting because he is a Republican. Look, that man, uh, okay. like, listen, you know, the bigger issue is this. The uh-huh. Democratic Party has a problem. You got a socialist and a Republican mm-hmm. and a Democratic primary. Yeah. Right. You got a socialist and a Republican. And honestly, he ain't in a Democratic primary. Bloomberg. Bloomberg is uh, the Ross Perot of the 21st century. But he's running as a Democrat as opposed to That's Ross Perot. That's what he says. That's what he says. Now, look, word on the street is the people he's hiring on his team have contracts until November. I did not know that word. Well, that's the word on the street. Now, you cannot confirm words on the street. And that is the word. Okay, on the so street. now what, where I'm really ill-equipped here, I'm looking around the room for someone who would know. I think there's a person in the corner who might know this answer. Like, what... What do you have to do? I mean, it's not so so simple to run a third party campaign. So he's my, a billionaire. No, I know, but you still who have is to, running commercials on black radio uh, nonstop. Like he has two different ones: lying about public education, and the other one lying about something else. And then you have him running commercials incessantly. Like, look, I get where we are in the Democratic primary. The real threat is twofold. Donald Trump getting a second term and Bloomberg being connected to the threat of uh, Trump getting a second term. All right, time out. To get on what I'm saying, I understand he's running nonstop commercials and uh, that he's spent more money than anybody else up till now uh, with his uh, TV commercials and his internet commercials. I understand all that. What I'm saying is the practical matter of meeting the requirements to get on the ballot as an independent candidate are no joke even if you're a billionaire you, you got to get i'm looking at candace she knows this stuff you got to get thousands of signatures to get on the ballot in illinois and then you got to beat michael joseph madigan's lawyers who are going to challenge those signatures ralph nader had to go through this uh back in ralph nader is not michael bloomberg <laughs> you see he's going to get better lawyers he he can make them with money they just appear out of thin air for billionaires. Look, I don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He claims that, well, we claim, because he ain't really said it. Has he said that he wanted the Democratic nomination? I don't think I've read that. Has anyone read that? Frank, didn't he? Uh, I'm looking at Frank who knows everything about everything. Look that up on your phone. No. I do believe he announced Has he's running. Has he said that he wants the Democratic na- nomination? He didn't say, he's running for president. Yeah. That's clear. Has he told us that he wants it? And I could have missed this. I am willing to be wrong about, I hope I'm wrong about it. Um, but has he said that he wants the Democratic nomination? I do not know the, the specific announcement he made. I, ha- I sit here not know, being able to answer that question. I know he's running in Democratic primaries. Is Which, it? yeah, he's running in uh, California. He's running in Alabama. Uh, so what happens So what happens if he doesn't win those primaries? Is it a requirement that he can't mount an independent third party? That is a great question. So this is what I'm saying. Like, you don't just decide to not run for president. Like, you know, this, this is a pretty big endeavor. And so, I don't know. I'm suspicious of him, is what I'm saying. And he's terrible. Six million dollars to fight against a lawsuit to make five black men whole 
who were children when they were falsely convicted and wrongly imprisoned, right? Wait, hold on. What's that? What did you say? He fought that lawsuit for 10 years. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah. right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so juxtaposed to someone like Kim Fox, who has exonerated 80 of those men in Cook County, right? He's, we're going the wrong way with that dude. The wrong way. And then he partnered with Joel Klein, who was the chancellor of the New York City Public Schools, to exclude and deny black children an opportunity at selective enrollment schools. He closed schools on those same black kids and then doubled down on privatization, weaponized standardized tests, right? This is his legacy. Mm -hmm. And now he's trying to take this national. I thought thought we got rid of Rahm Emanuel. Uh, Well... Apparently he's running for president. Uh, and also don't forget the charter schools. Uh, that said, if I'm a centrist Democrat, that would be my candidate. I'm not Again, a centrist Democrat. Those are not centrist Democrats. Those are Republicans. And at some point, that party, the Democratic Party, is going to have to well, have a better definition. Because again, you got a Republican running and you have a socialist running. I, I agree with you. Please explain to me the difference between what you just laid out about Michael Bloomberg and the way he ran New York and the way Rahm Emanuel ran Chicago. There ain't no difference. Well, Rahm Emanuel is uh, in the centrist Democratic Party. That is what y'all keep saying. Rahm is a right-wing conservative, has always been that. And if you read anything about his time with Bill Clinton, he he took Bill Clinton more to the right than he was previously. Well, it didn't take much to get Bill Clinton to go to the right. So if Rahm is a right-wing Republican, then so is Bill Clinton. Okay. Take a chill pill, man. (laughs) Okay. And so is Hillary Clinton. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And who else? Uh, You're not, uh, I could think of a lot of, I'll leave it go there. I'm not going to argue about it. Look, when there are policies that hurt people like me in Mm -hmm. neighborhoods that where I live with people who depend on a particular type of government to work for them, then they're not our friends there are foes the, and we have to be clear about language the, I'll, then i'll be clear about language i i don't say they're right-wing republicans i say they're mitt romney republicans and that's generally how i phrase it when i write about Romney. Well, they bla- so let's say it like this they are bad for black people oh can't argue with that point uh the republican party in general uh is uh that would fit the republican oh, party looks like i have general. some breaking audio here from uh, michael bloomberg let's hear what this is Oh my, it's just money. It's just the or, money. Or, or, he loves or, that one. You could, you could also do like the jail cell, like the, the, the clothes. Oh, he's got oh, that wait, Hold on, hold on. Stop and frizz. In fact, I do have a right, Bloomberg weighed in with something else as well. Oh my. Oh, That's there, him. We go. there you go. All right, we're going to bring Jeanette Taylor on uh, to broaden the conversation here. But I got to ask you. What's up? Before I do, Iowa. Jen, I mean, there's, I, we've talked about just it so much. Just throw the whole state away. <laughs> <laughs> throw <Yeah>. it all <laughs> away. <laughs> Man, please. First off, Democrats are not winning Iowa in November. So why is Iowa so important? The first important test of the nomination process. Yeah. And in a state that only has, what, 3 or 4% black people and 30% of them are in prison? Man, please. Again, that is so retrograde. And for the Democratic Party to not have a lens on things like this, continue to expose 
um, their inability to evolve, to innovate, to really be a, spl- a place where, you know, diverse voices have agency and, and leadership. It just doesn't matter. And don't keep throwing black people up there for the sake of it. Change the policies. And that is one thing that Reverend Jackson doesn't get enough credit for. Like his work from 84 to 88 really shifted the way in which um, the party behaved. And we haven't had that seismic shift in the same way mm. since that. It's time for well, another. Well, you know what? It's funny you should say that. We had on the show uh, yesterday, Delmarie Cobb. There you go. She who, knows about this. Uh, who, uh, in addition to being a huge fan and friend of Hillary Clinton, just throwing that out there, uh, was press secretary to uh, Jesse Jackson in 1988 when he ran for president. And she told a very compelling story, mm-hmm. Stacy, about that moment. Uh, in 1988, where uh, Jesse Jackson, many of Jesse Jackson's supporters were urging him to stay uh, in the race, not drop out officially and support uh, Mike Dukakis and demand that he, Jesse Jackson, be uh, picked, selected as vice president, uh, as as uh, Dukakis's running mate. And so maybe that infamous take scene wouldn't have happened. The caucus. Oh, 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 the tape. Willie Horton tape. Is that what you mean? No, no, oh. no. You remember he was in the tank. Oh, tank. Yes, absolutely. Well, they probably would have done that stupid commercial anyway. But the point is, she was saying that she was using it to illustrate how Jesse did the right thing compared to Bernie, the Bernie's behavior. We were relitigating that uh, mm-hmm. when she was here. But the other point. Bernie's behavior. But, but Pete the one who got up and said, I won. But but wait, I'm not ready to relitigate zero percent of the precincts reporting. But just think about how history would have been different if Jesse Jackson had been the vice presidential candidate. I don't. I mean, it's just a fantastical notion to think about how the eighty. And Delmarie said, "Oh, Mike Dukakis would have won the election." Yeah, she said flat out he would have won. I don't know if that's true, but look, here's here's the problem that the Democrats have coming out of Iowa: the turnout was low. Mm-hmm. Black people didn't show up. That's it. And if we if if turnout remains low in the nomination phase and if black people do not feel compelled to turn out in the I ain't asking for Obama numbers. Right. Because that's a once in a lifetime thing. However, there is a baseline and we're not even there. Actually, yet. Obama numbers aren't once in a lifetime and Obama numbers are less than Harold Washington numbers. Well, I'm the talking about turnout. on a national right. level, but on a national, on a national presidential level with black voters. You're right about that. But on a national level with black voters nationwide, you don't have to meet that standard and you can't be where we are today. All right, we're going to take a break, get uh, Jeanette Taylor an opportunity to settle in, and we're going to ask when we come back, what should the Democratic Party do uh, to get black voters involved in the presidential election? Jeanette Taylor will be joining us. Stacey Davis-Gates will be here. We'll be right back. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. 
right now available at chicago.suntimes.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. It's this week's edition of the Fran Spielman Podcast. Who's our guest this week? Well, he's running for Cook County State's attorney. Bill LeBro. What? Bill LeBro? Yeah, he's... <laughs> Kind of a bro. His name's Bill Conway. He was the guest. Here's a little bit of that interview. <laughs> the views and opinions of Stacey Davis and Gates do not necessarily reflect the Ben Jarofsky show. They're saying boo ill. Bill. Oh, that's what they're so saying. So we yeah. at the state's attorney's office need to spend time working our way up that supply chain to get after the gun crime epidemic that we have. Last year, the Chicago Police Department seized 10, over 10,000 illegal guns. Four years ago, by the way, they, received, they, they seized about 7,000. So if we're really going to get after that gun crime epidemic, we have to be getting after the supply that brings all these illegal guns here. That's all you get for free. All okay. right. You have to go download the rest. Of Wait, what was the music? That's some, it's some music I put in there. In the So here, I'll save people the download. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's Daisy Davis case. I'll go. save you the download. <laughs> Private equity wants to buy the state's attorney's office. Private equity has a lot of stake in private prisons. Saved you to download. Let's not forget that he was part of Anita Alvarez's team, so she didn't do shit. So we don't expect him to do something. Jeanette Taylor's in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jeanette saying. Taylor, pride of joy of the 20th Ward. Uh, you have any more of that update? Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, <laughs> live from the Chicago Sun-Times. <laughs> All right, now, uh, so Jeanette Taylor, thank you for uh, stopping by. We had, we had uh, booked Stacy for this hour, and then I got a call from my dear friend Candace Castillo, said, hey, can Jeanette come on? I go, hell yeah, Jeanette can c- come on. Uh, and uh, so we have the two of you in the studio right now. All right, before we get to the local issues, I know you want to talk about uh, the Obama Center uh, and the impact it's having on your community and what you would like to do about that. Uh, you've been in the news. We've been talking about it. We talked a lot about it yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, your thoughts on the conversation. I know you have strong thoughts about this. Cause the last time we were on the show, Jeanette, you were airing those thoughts <laughs> about where the Democratic Party has to go to get black people involved. I, I, I'm, I'm saying I'm going to differ a little bit from Stacey. I want those Barack Obama numbers. I don't, as an instinctive reaction, I want black people to feel as though the system works for them. And I feel that so much of the uh, after effects of the Barack Obama of eight years, uh, and disagree with me if you want, is a lot of black people said, we elected Barack Obama, nothing's really changed, now we're not going to participate anymore. And that's frightening. It's like the Stevie Wonder song, Rocket of Love. I love that. Whoa. What's th- it's just like you took me right into your rocket, you gave me a spark, and then halfway to you doing your job, you dropped me back. That's exactly what the Democratic Party is doing. That's exactly what Barack did. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I'm just stunned that I, I, that you would use that as an, and that's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, I, I will not sing it uh, at this moment. <laughs> I will refrain from singing it. All right. So what should the Democratic Party do? What can they do to try uh, to reverse this trend? Be transparent and stop lying. How many times do we elect folks over and over again and they make all these great campaign promises and then nothing happens? We're all always left high and dry. And so I do understand folks when they say, I, my vote doesn't count. But as we saw in Rosanna's race, every vote does count. That's right. And so we're now in a space where we see progressive folks standing up for your everyday folks um, are saying, Maybe I'm wrong about not voting. Maybe I'm wrong for not being a part of the process. And as an elected officials, we got to do different. We cannot get in office and turn our backs on our people. And a lot of us do that. I'm sorry. They just do. And so you're knocking on my door. 
you're at the senior building, you're giving candy, you're doing all these wonderful things to get in there, and then when you get in there, you turn your back on folks. You're not accessible. You don't talk to them. You don't agree to disagree. You're not even willing to work with them. And so the Democratic Party as a whole has to change the way it works. And so, and you got to appreciate black women who vote. Hillary lost because she didn't appreciate the, the one power she had of being a woman she didn't use. And so y'all ain't just going to use black women to get past. We vote. We're changing the country. We work together. We might have some disagreements, but we know how to figure it out. And so stop taking advantage of black voters. I'm not going to turn out to something and you making laws to cut SNAP. Why would I vote? You're cutting unemployment. I can't afford to live in the place that I love. I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote for that? No, I'm not going to vote for that. So who do you think would be uh, a good vice presidential candidate for Bernie Sanders? Nina Turner. Mm. Tell folks about Nina Turner. What can I say about Nina? She's just some amazing sister um, who speaks truth to power. She's not scared of no spaces. Um, she is probably far as the left to everybody in this room. She is just, and she's a very smart, articulate woman. And she is the person that's going to bring young people to this. And I've seen her do it. When she came into Chicago, when I was running, the amount of young people that were attracted to come see her and hear her speak was volumes. Young black women. And so she has that power and we need somebody who is with Bernie to bring in those young folks because that's what's missing in all of these fights and all that's going on. We are not really bringing in young people like we should. Stacey, who do you think uh, would be a, a good? Well, you're not endorsing Jeanette Bernie. Taylor. Jeanette Taylor. Uh, <laughs> correct. Jeanette's not ready to run. for. What, no. If nominated, would you well, run? Well, if <laughs> Mayor B can run for president, she can run for it, too. I didn't say she wasn't qualified. So you're talking about yeah. I just ready. said I don't think she was ready to no. run for it. Yeah. There'd be Personally. a lot of people in Congress fired on their day off. Oh, no, that's not a job I want. All right, so second to, to Jeanette Taylor, who would you have? I think um, if it's not Elizabeth, it should be Elizabeth and Bernie. I mean... If it's not Elizabeth, it should be Bernie and Elizabeth. If it's not Bernie, it should be Elizabeth and Bernie. Like, look, if we are clear. I like that. If, if we are clear that the threat is to our democracy and the clown that's in the White House now is the chief of enemies, then we will unite, drop eagles by the wayside and keep it moving. Like the one thing that um, I'm paying attention to was that second alignment. Like, you really can't pay attention to much in Iowa. So don't throw, like, tomatoes at me for saying this, right? The caveat is that we can't. If we can trust Iowa, which we probably can't, but if we could trust Iowa, Bernie came out hard in the first alignment. Like, he has who he has. Mm -hmm. It was that second alignment um, where voters was, like, looking around and not seeing a lot of folks in their camp, and then they would go to another candidate. Yeah. It's that second alignment that is a little concerning because we want his base to grow. We want people to continue to flock to him. And so if Elizabeth has the ability to bring the rest of the folks and they, they like, get together on that because our democracy, our republic, because it ain't really a democracy, right? Our republic is more important, then they'll figure that out. Do you buy that? I do, all day long. I agree. I liked Elizabeth. She just wasn't to the left enough mm. for me. 
And do you buy any of the, uh, we talked a lot about this in the show since you've been here, uh, the, the notions that Bernie somehow has a, a, an issue uh, not respecting women enough? Really? The man 90 years old, come on. Like, come, let, let's be serious. Well, you can't help him saying he's 90. I'm sorry. <laughs> How, but this is the thing I say about people when it comes to Bernie. Which candidate has been doing the work his entire life right. and has not wavered or changed through the years? He is the only one. You can't talk to talk and not walk the walk, and he's done it. That's why I have to think about who I was voting for. It was him. All right, let's. But, uh, let ahead. me let me let me bring this like connected. Jeanette's right, and I would also say this: when he talks about like why free post-secondary education is important. He ain't just talking in a general way. He's talking to me. How much student debt does the average black woman have? When we talk about the very demographic that is voting for Democrats, but also suffering under the load of debt that we have from our bachelor's degree, from our master's degree, from our EDD, our PhD, is black women. Like we are at the top of that chain. Bernie, put us in the commercial, put us on the mailer, make it plain when you are talking about it, say my name. That is the disconnect. It's simple. And that is the disconnect. When you are talking about free college, people are thinking about the kids from Occupy. And yes, that's them too. But when we're talking about why that's important, hell, I'm still paying mine off, maybe. And then <coughs> my kids would be on their way to college and I'm still like peeling off to Navient. Come on. Say my name. Stacy Davis Gates is her name. Uh, I just said it. Otherwise known as SDG. Uh, Frank is cheering. He was he wanted he was the one at the hideout. Stacy, first question he asked was, "Why are, are you going to run for mayor?" That's remember, Frank. You, I, yeah. yeah, you remember that? Yeah. yeah. By the way, Jeanette, you have never seen such ducking and dodging as Stacy when she got that question. Okay? I'm sure. But she... It's like asking her, oh, "Who do you support, Bernie or Elizabeth?" Uh, ben, I'm in a union. Blah blah blah. All right. I'm not going to tease you anymore than that. I just gave you UWF. Okay, that's and I enough. And I'm the board chair, as the, the, the Sun-Times so clearly put out a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I did see that yeah, in my beloved yeah. bright one. All right, Jeanette, let's, uh, let's shift it to local news. Um, we've been talking a lot about this. Uh, you had the press conference the other day at City Hall, and you made it clear you thought uh, the mayor, the Obama Center, the Obamas, the University of Chicago, the powers that be uh, in your neck of the woods, it dropped the ball on uh, an agreement that would protect the interest of people in your community. Get a little more specific about this. So myself and Alderwoman Leslie Harrison um, introduced the CBA ordinance um, in July. CBA stands for? Community Benefits Agreement. And so... Because the um, Obama Presidential Center was coming, there were um, community groups who want to get together and say, we know when gentrification happens in the community, how do you protect people who currently live in the, the community? And so the CBA originally was toward the Obamas to ask the Obamas to say, hey, just like they did around the United Center. So for people who don't know, the United Center pays the difference in taxes, I think in a one mile radius around it. And so we thought that we could do the exact same thing with the OPC, but was told- um, Explain that, what do you mean the difference in taxes? So they have a property tax freeze Mm -hmm. a mile around the United Center, I think it's a mile. Mm -hmm. And regardless, whatever the property taxes was when they were built, that's what people pay. Got it. The more they go up, 
the United Center pays. That, so and they, it can they, be transferred Right. And it can be transferred over to family, but if you sell it to somebody who's not family, you don't get the transfer. Got it. Makes sense. We thought about that the first time for the Obama presidential center, but was told it was a nonprofit. And the ex president himself told me over a mega screen that he wasn't gonna sign anything because if he signs, he's gonna be signing with it'll be all type of groups just popping up. And I'm thinking Coco is a fifty year old organization. Who are you talking about? Um, and so, which is how I, I started to run for office. Um, and during that run, the community did a referendum and 98% of the people said they wanted a community benefits agreement um, ordinance. And so myself and all the woman Leslie Harrison introduced and the city came to the table and just hasn't been transparent with me. They haven't been honest. They've literally just written their own ordinance, um, which I was not told that they were gonna write their own ordinance. I was told we would look at the CBA, kind of see what was legal and illegal, which nothing is illegal. They're worried about legal challenges. The city of Chicago should be legally challenged all the time, but we don't. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, (laughs) I was told that we would do that and the process hasn't been transparent. And I've asked people to come to the table who've historically fought each other or have not agreed. So we, there's this thing in Woodline around renters and homeowners. Mm -hmm. They, They just, one thinks one isn't worthless. And so getting them to a, to come to a table and try to say what we should come up with um, has been a sham because they continue to come up with what they want to come up with. Well, uh, let me just back up and, and let's go back to your, your suggestion that you uh, uh, follow the standard set, the model set by the United Center, mm-hmm. okay? And I remember when the United Center was built, I remember Ernest Gates and the, and the, and the negotiations mm-hmm. between uh, Reinsdorf and Wirtz and the community, and they're very proud of that benefits agreement. All right, the peanut vendors didn't do so well with the agreement, but that's a whole other story. Uh, so the Obama Center's official position, let me make sure I understand this, is that they can't afford to pay the difference between uh, the property tax that a person would pay at this current assessment and what they would have to pay if the assessments rose? Is yep, because they're position? nonprofit. Yep, that's what we were told. Because remember, the ultimate goal of this is to protect the class of people who currently live in there. So that's just not renters, that's homeowners, that's seniors, that's everybody who currently lives there. We know anytime there's investment in the black and brown community, low income and working families are the first to be pushed out. You saw it in Pilsen, you saw it in Little Village, you seeing it with the 606, it just, it happens. And I don't care how many studies they do, you, your study can't, can't go against my lived experience. So I lived in Bronzeville. We got the Harold Washington Cultural Center. They raised the property taxes. I couldn't afford to stay there anymore. And at the time, my mother was a CPS clerk and I worked for a community organization. We moved to Woodline together because we couldn't afford to go anywhere else. And so now that we're in a space to have some way of comfort, you're telling me I got to get it, give it up because we're trying to <clears throat> pacify developers. And so I've asked developers when they come, could what you want to build when it comes to housing, 30% be affordable. There has only been one developer that's told me no. And that developer probably won't get to develop in my community because in my community, the community gets to decide. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a, a table of people who live there, homeowners, renters, people who have businesses, people who run organization, who will look at development and see what's best for the 20th Ward. So I'm not the end all, but I'm putting in ways for my community, A, to be engaged and B, to let them know I'm fighting for them to stay. And so what about uh, the rest of the stakeholders at the Obama Center that, okay, the, there's the University of Chicago, uh, there's the Obama follow the Center. Y- follow the Olympic Road in myself, yep. And, and so 
they can't afford to kick in a little something to uh, uh, protect uh, uh, renters or homeowners in the area? We asked to, one of the things that was in the ordinance was to ask for a trust. Because think about it, if you're building by the, building by the OPC, you're going to make money. And we need to stop talking about presidential uh, libraries don't get that many visitors. We're talking about the first black president of the United States, Barack Obama. Please, they're going to run to that like they're running to the place in D.C., the African-American History Museum. Like, stop it. Don't let's not pretend we're not talking about Barack. So people are going to go. And the thought that now you want to invest in our community you should pay. And so we wanted people to pay into a trust to help protect people. So to help folks with their property taxes, to help folks if they needed to get a roof, to offset some of the costs. When it comes to subsidies, think about if I have a voucher that's worth $1,500 and that's what my rent is. Now landlords can raise it to $2,000 and expect this renter who hadn't paid rent because they can't afford it to pay $500. So you're creating, you're creating gentrification at a pace that that's ridiculous. And so you got all these studies to say, this is what happened when large developments comes. Why are you not listening? Why won't we put anything in place? Why? Because the people that we're trying to protect are black, plain and simple. Well, there's, there is uh, two different uh, views of these things uh, based on uh, the people who live in a neighborhood and people are coming in a neighborhood. Follow me on this, Jeanette. I hope I make sense what I'm about to say. Because I'm just really, this is coming off my mind fresh, like a newspaper just coming right off the, the press. When I look at Lincoln Yards, in Lincoln Yards, the city is allowing the developer of Lincoln Yards to essentially divert the money, the property taxes that he would ordinarily pay to the coffers to support the schools, etc., and instead use that money to underwrite the cost of his development. And their argument is that in the long term, whatever money we lose by having that money diverted from the schools will benefit the city of Chicago because that will be a beneficial community to the city of Chicago, all right? I would make the same argument that any you could divert, uh, it, it would benefit the city of Chicago to use, to, to force the Obama Center and the University of Chicago to protect uh, the renters and uh, low er, low income homeowners in the area of the Obama Center from outrageous property tax increases. But I don't think the powers that be, Jeanette Taylor, view it that way. They view gentrification as a plus for the city of Chicago. And so it's like they believe that moving everybody out, or not everybody, but moving poor people out of Woodlawn is in the best interest of the city of Chicago. Do you follow what I just said? But then your your talking points when you're running for office can't say, I don't, I'm tired of people leaving. I want to make sure Chicagoans make a living wage. We have great schools and we want you to live here. Then you lying. Again, the Democratic Party, you're lying. How many black people well, left the city of Chicago in the last... Uh, and let's just say this. There's a whole ecosystem that's being destroyed as a part of this. This is not just a CBA. This is not just somebody lying. All of those things are true. Yes. And think about the school communities that will no longer exist. Think about the middle class jobs that are in those school communities that will be wiped away. So it's not poor people, right? So even if you don't care about poor people, right? Cause they make you whatever, then care about your neighbor. Because if you care about your property values, 
And that middle class check that's coming in there because that person is a principal, because that principal is an educator, because that principal is a clinician in that school district or in the school district, but in that school community, then that's also going to be erased as well. And then if you are an elected official, you ain't got to care about poor people. Can you care about your own job? Because I ain't never seen gentrified white folks vote for the same black person that's there. We know voting patterns across this country. Who votes for whom? Right. And so black aldermen, black uh, state representatives, black senators, they're out of a job as well. See, these things have an ecosystem attached to it. And if we're not thinking about the larger, broader implications of that, you can actually see a decline in the number of people who are even going to vote blue. So Illinois has had the distinction of being a bellwether prior to what Clinton more as a bellwether prior to Clinton was at 92 and now it's blue post 92. Mm-hmm. It's purple to red. If you are moving black people out of Cook County, black people in Illinois live in Cook County. Uh, yeah. I hope the democratic party is listening to that. If for no Hashtag other reason, 2020 census, <laughs> which we be in trouble. Uh, so, all right. So you went public, uh, with your comments, you had the press conference mm-hmm. in City Hall. Uh, you, typical Jeanette Taylor didn't mince any words, didn't uh, beat around no. the bush to quote Marvin Gaye. And uh, so, uh, got a chuckle out of Stacy on that one. Uh, and uh, so, what has so after your comments, did Mayor Lori Lightfoot call you up and say, Jeanette, let's get together? Oh, everybody called me. Everybody called me and she did. And we've had a conversation. And part of the problem is in City Hall as a whole, they work in silos. And so I kept getting this. I didn't know or I thought everything was going well. And I assumed and for the sake of my community, because I represent the community. I've tried to give the process a chance. I went, I've said to people, I went with an open heart, an open mind. And and I've had so many people say, the city gonna play us. We've done this over and over again. It's 10 plans for Woodline. They've never listened. They never do what they're supposed to do. (coughs) And bam, I got egg on my face. And so no, I'm not gonna take the egg on my face. The people who need to go down are going down. And it is not Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor. I'm doing my part. I'm fighting for my community. I'm calling out the inequities I see. So what is the next step? So I should be meeting Monday with the administration. With Lori Lightfoot. (laughs) With Lori um, to have a conversation. Because another thing that plays a part in this is that invest in Southwest. That's a bunch of that's that thing is not clear again either. We haven't had any real week. So you had all of these town halls. Um, we did a ride around with Maurice Cox, with Commissioner Cox, and basically that's it. We haven't done any planning. We don't know what the plan is. It's holding up our TIF dollars because I want us to know that that's what they're going to use when it comes to this Invest Southwest thing, TIF dollars, that we should be using to the schools, that we should be using to other places. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of small business owners who run businesses out of their homes. I would love to help them get brick and mortar, but that money is on hold, and that that wasn't a choice the city council made. Mm-hmm. And so what is Invest in Southwest really going to do for the South and West sides? And what I'm hearing from my community all is nothing. All million dollars <laughs> for, for all those neighborhoods. <laughs> like, so each community to get a dollar. <laughs> a dollar, 50 cent. 
Uh, you mentioned TIFFs. You know, like once you mentioned TIFFs, I'll get going on TIFFs for a long time. <laughs> We're going to take a break, come back, close down the show with a discussion of TIFFs uh, and where the city should go in investing its economic development dollars. We'll be right back with Stacey Davis-Gates and Jeanette Taylor. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. We did big things to help people, real people, who live and work here every day. We raised the minimum wage. We advanced equal pay for women and minorities, provided millions of Illinoisans relief from high interest on consumer debt, and expanded health care to tens of thousands more people across our state. We are reaffirming that our most important commitments are to our children and their education. Mark my words, Illinois will be the best state in the nation to raise a young family. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us well, to the weekend. Well, that music means it. Can I do it again, D? Please? All right. Take us to the weekend. Not only Jeanette Taylor the alderwoman of the 20th Ward. Not only is Jeanette Taylor a proud member of COCO, not only is Jeanette Taylor a former LSC member at Mollison School, not only did Jeanette Taylor go on a hunger strike to force the powers of be in the city of Chicago to pay some money to have Diet be a public school, neighborhood school, but Jeanette Taylor is one hell of a keyboard player. That's, That's Jeanette correct. Taylor on the keyboards. And she's going to sing some Stevie Wonder songs right now. Go. <laughs> No, you're not gonna get me. I throw the rocket to the da 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 da. da. Sorry, took a um, rocket to the da 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 da. da. <laughs> I forgot the rest of the words. I know all the words. I got it on my phone. Could you recite them right now? You took me right in and your rocket. You gave me a spark, but at a half a mile for heaven, you dropped me back down to this cold, cold world. Damn. Yeah, all Just right. Just a little bit. I used to sing at church. That's all. I love that song. And you know what? I'm wearing a tangent with an attention here. What's the guy's name? Um, JT is his nick. I always call you JT. Justin Timberlake. Thank you. Justin Timberlake had a song <laughs> where uh, I can, it, it, he stole it from that CD Shocking. Wonder. I, <laughs> and it didn't go well. No, it. I mean, it exploded. But I heard. I only heard it. I was at a uh, a bar in. Uh, remember, it was in New York City, Jeanette, and the song came on. I go. I didn't know what the song was because you know I'm not really in the <coughs> kind of like modern. Taylor Swift, huh? But I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. is that that guy stole that from Stevie Wonder? Mm. Whatever, neither here nor there. You got a good voice, uh, Jeanette Taylor. Hey, if the automatic thing doesn't work out, <laughs> you could sing a promontory. No, not gonna happen. Uh, Jeanette Taylor will be at promontory. Uh, this little uh, plug there with yes. us on election night, uh, March third. And uh, your good friend Del Marie Cobb will be there as well. It's going to be bringing together all the people in the 20th Ward. It's going to be like a lot Del of fun. I uh, love Del Marie Cobb. He's one of my um, dear friends in the city of Chicago. All right. Uh, Jeanette uh, and Stacy. this week, uh, Mayor Lightfoot released her TIF reform plan. And uh, I've got many feelings on that, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, I don't know who wants to go first. All right, uh, Stacey, uh, the uh, inner high school teacher in her has assigned you the role of going first, uh, Jeanette Taylor. So your thoughts on Mayor Lori Lightfoot's uh, TIF reform plan. How about I wasn't blessed enough to see it? 
haven't seen it. That's the biggest problem with the, with the disconnect. Ah, did you get an email, Candace? Because I didn't. I ain't seen it. Don't know. So you read about it in the newspaper like I did? And like everybody else. <laughs> but it's something you expect me to vote on. How that? It's the disrespect. I'm elected. I'm not appointed. Mm. I knocked over 80% of my ward myself. When it was cold, when I lost my mother. I worked very hard to be here and to not be respected, but you want the same respect. And so it's why people like you're angry. I'm mad as hell. Cause they're, they, how can we ever get this city a place where everybody could live when we don't even communicate? We're not even talking. We're not even working together. And so I walked in on the part where Stacy said CPS and CTU are like a, like two divorced parents and the children are in the middle because we work in silos. That's the absolute truth. And as an organizer, it's our responsibility to change it. And so there are some people that I can't stand that I got to work with for my community and for my young people, period. Get over it. Swallow your pride. I don't like you, you don't like me, but how do we work to make a better Chicago? And that's what we gotta do on all fronts. And I think that's what you're seeing. Where am I seeing that? So think about this. When CTU went on strike, who do they normally put the kids on? The Park District. And the Park District went on strike at the same time. Welcome to organizing. This is a union town, but this is an organized Union town mm-hmm. and a town full of organizers. And so we can't fight for crumbs anymore. There is enough for everybody to eat. There just is. But we got to stop funding the wrong stuff. Like, how many more police lawsuits are we going to pay for? I'm going to wait. That's not a watch, it's a bracelet. <laughs> how many more tax breaks are we going to give billionaire developers? Now, people who want to build a build, who want to build a business, who live here, been living here their whole life, can't get a break. Mm-hmm. But we'll give wealth elite developers a break. We will worried about them because those who fund our campaigns, not mine. Stacy, your thoughts on the TIF uh, reform proposal by Mayor Lori Lightfoot? I think <clears throat> Fran's um, headline was an accurate headline, too little, too late. Because um, it is. Like, you, it's... We've got, we're so past the point of TIF being enough for the South side and the West side of the city until it's not even funny, right? Um, You need a capital plan. You need a Marshall plan. You need a great society like um, program to figure that out. Like infrastructure that reaches every aspect of living, for the residents in those spaces. And you can't do it without the people who are already there. That is the bottom line. I, look, these press releases about 20, do you know what $20 million gets you? Like, I, I, I wanna keep this like on the one. You gotta drive into Garfield Park. You have to drive through Roseland. I go to all of these places because we have school communities in Outgale Gardens. Like there's a school community everywhere in the city. So I get to see where resources are allocated and where infrastructure is being built. I get to see those things. 
And it should not take um, black aldermen putting muzzles on their mouths to get $20 million. Right. We need a plan of a real plan. When you have destroyed, when you have neglected, when there is nothing there, you have to do something drastic and piecemealing and begging a bank and, 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 and redirecting two or three tips. That is not a solution. And, you know, I think what's most insulting, the city of Chicago under Mayor Lightfoot is fighting a case by community groups right now about how TIF is done in the city as it relates to Lincoln Yards. Ask Amisha about that. They are literally fighting a case while at the same time saying, we're going to do this better. Left side of the mouth, right side of the mouth at the same time. Mm -mm. Can't argue that point. Uh, all right. Now, Jeanette, every time Stacey Davis Gates comes on my show, which comes on all the time, uh, some of my moderate friends uh, of the uh, <laughs> uh, will tell me that uh, Stacy, like Bernie, they go too far. All right. And uh, that you have to work in the middle. I'm, I hear this all the time. I've been having these conversations on the air with Stacey Davis Gates for almost three years. Uh, I probably got fired over them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just blaming Stacey Davis Gates. Anyway, all right. Uh, so do people say that to you? No. I mean, not about Stacey Davis Gates, but about you. You're going too far. No. You got to calm the rhetoric down. You got to work with. I've been saying what my community's been thinking for years, for decades. Like how many more, how much more money are we going to put in police? We're over-policed. So we're paying them to shoot our young people in the streets mm -hmm. and they don't get fired and they get a pension and they go to the nice coochie jail. The last four aldermen of the 20th Ward have been to jail. I'm doing the, the math in my head. Was it four or three? Four. The one Willie before Cochran. Cliff Kelly died before they got to take him. Okay. But he was on his way. <laughs> I had Cliff Kelly, uh, Arenda Troutman, and uh, Willie Cochran. Who was the alderman before uh, Cliff what Kelly? I can't remember. God, I, even I can't remember, Stacey. I don't know, but I, I don't put Cliff in the ground yet. He's still alive. No, Cliff no is I'm still talking about the one us. before. Before oh, Cliff sorry. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah. So I'm not going to jail. And when I got on doors, I didn't pretend to be somebody I was not to get these people's vote. Mm -hmm. I was unapologetically Jeanette, period. This is who I am. This is where I come from. I want to be able to serve you. Mm -hmm. And so me sticking to my word is all that I have with people who've been lied to over and over and over and over and over and over again. So other members of the aldermanic, black aldermanic caucus don't say to you, Jeanette, you're going too far, you're pushing too hard. No? Okay. My first conversation with the black caucus was, I'm not gonna join the black caucus because I'm black. And to Chicago, y'all, black Chicago, y'all a joke. So let's organize and do some work. Which is how we got 16 votes for cannabis. And the only people that didn't vote for cannabis was who? The chairs. Mm. We understand our power. One of my coworkers told me, we don't know how the hell you got here, so you the threat. Good. Uh, oh, we know how you got there. Oh, exactly. The people put me there. You know what is funny? Just listening to you talk about it, I was, uh, I've been talking to Dennis about this total tangent. So just bear with me on one of my tangents. I don't know if you know who Gary Owens is. Gary Owens is, oh, Gary Owens is a comp comedian, a white guy, but yep. he's 
most of his funny audience. Funny as hell. I know, I know. He's so funny. He did this riff <laughs> about black power. He goes, black people don't even know the power they have. And then he started talking about it in the context of Kobe Bryant and uh, some of the, the backlash to, um, what's that lady's name? I'm blanking on her name, Stacey Dave. Gail King. Gail King. Thank you. Thank Bless you. her heart. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. the backlash. Uh, and he, he said, black people, you don't even realize the power that you have. You have so much power. And I I, I looked at that situation. When, he, when you were just talking, I was thinking about that. The aldermen, uh, you were talking about the cannabis bill. I call it the reefer bill, but whatever. Uh, and <laughs> we'll uh, yeah, you know, it's a generational thing. Um, yeah, they were going to uh, delay the opening. That's right, till July. Till July. Yep. But that's because votes. they are tired too. Like, don't don't use my vote for bullshit. We're in a space where we can do some real work, mm-hmm. and they might not say it, but I will. I'm 44 years old, about to be 45, and full blown menopause. I cry <laughs> fucking time of Jerry, so I'm not gonna sit here and hold my tongue about anything. I'm gonna say what needs to be said. If you feel it's hurt, oh well, too bad. Uh, you're young, 44, man. I wish I was 44. Uh, all right, Stacey Davis-Gates and Jeanette Taylor, before we go, anything you want to tell people about, any uh, events coming up, uh, anything, take this opportunity. Uh, I don't care who goes first. So, I'm going to just use the opportunity to lift Jeanette up a little higher and call for some support. Um, listen, we continue to lament the loss of black people in this space. And Jeanette has put forth with Leslie Harrison a real plan to stem the tide of that loss and to make sure that people who are who have been in that community, contributed to that community, um, can remain there when the community finally begins to get a focus and some resources um, from the very base that they've been putting resources in for like generations. That means something. For the first black president to say that he wanted to have his center, not just the library, but his center on the south side of Chicago is a monumental achievement that the folks that live there now should be available for. They should benefit for that. And so come out and support Jeanette. If you are listening and do not live in that area, call your alderman. This is an issue of equity. This is an issue of fairness. There, Some things are right and some things are wrong. To move out the people who live in that community, to replace them, to celebrate the first black man who was president of the United States, that's wrong. Jeanette? February 11th. City Hall is the housing committee where they're going to introduce whatever it is we come up with. Please come out. Join us February 20th at St. What is it? St. St. Benedict the African 6 to 8 p.m. is ward night. And my ward nights are places where we learn about city services. We learn about the gyms in our community. And it's a way to connect and for me to be available to the people who I'm paid to serve. Mm -hmm. All right, Jeanette Taylor, Stacey Davis-Gates, thank you so much for being here. also want to uh, thank Frank for stopping in, Frank Casey soto uh, who's usually doing crack research for us uh, on the other side. He's doing it right now. He's doing it on the, uh, right now. Uh, Ramana Hussein was in here earlier in the show. Uh, thank Ramana coming in. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Jeanette Taylor will tell you, back home and on, they call him... 
white lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Name's Dennis. All right, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and previous uh, and Benny J. Bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. If you're ever on that YouTube channel, I dare you to go to the Ben Jarofsky Show live stream chat, talk with like-minded political people, and a few trolls. It's a good time. We'll see you Tuesday.